do the impossible, and that is through one individual speak and minister to many people who are at different levels in life, different levels in their Christian walk, different things they're struggling through and going through. Father, I pray that you would please help us uh, not be distracted this morning. Lord, I specifically ask for the kids in the service that they would be attentive, that they would pay attention. Lord, that there might be even just one one child that maybe their future and their life might be uh, set at a different course as a result of, of this sermon. Lord, I pray you'd be with the adults, that they would listen, that they would not uh, cut out, that they, that, that they would also be ministered through your word. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're continuing our series through uh, a series on the family, functional family. And if you remember, we started this series, uh, this is our sixth week. Next week will be our last series. The first sermon we preached about was on our family friend day. We talked about an epidemic of dysfunction and the fact that there's an attack on the family today. And if you remember, the second sermon was about the heart of the matter. And we talked about keeping your children's heart or having each other's heart in marriage. Then we uh, preached a sermon entitled Satisfied Marriage uh, and talked about the, the, the roles of a husband and a wife and how you are uh, to, to have a, a marriage that functions when you follow the Bible. Uh, we talked about parenting functional children. We gave you advice in regards to parenting your children and, and being a parent and even a grandparent helping out in those things. Last week we preached a very specific sermon entitled Advice for the Singles. Now, here's what I want you to, to know. Even though... Obviously, singles are probably the, the smallest section of our, of, of our church as far as, you know, demographics or, or whatever would be concerned. Many married people came up to me after the service and said, even though that sermon was for singles, I got something out of that. And it ministered to me and it helped me. Uh, and, and today, I say that because today we're preaching specifically challenge, uh, a challenge or a sermon or a message to the kids. But I, I want you, if you're an adult this morning, I don't want you to just cut me off and say, ah, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Listen, Anytime the Word of God is open, it can be beneficial to you. And anytime the, 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 the Bible is open, the Bible says it's quick and powerful and sharp with any two-edged sword. And so I don't want you to cut out. I want you to listen, even though we're going to primarily be speaking to uh, the kids this morning. And, uh, you know, and, and what, we, what we consider kids may be different than you consider kids. But let me ask this. If you are... If you live, if you are not married, and you live at home with your parents, raise your hand. If you are not married, put them up, put them high. If you're not married, and you live at home with your parents, raise your hand. If your hand is up, Miss Linda, you're messing around. She takes care of her parents. If, if your hand is up, okay, the message is for you, alright? Put your hands up. Don't fall asleep. I want you to listen. I want you to, to pay attention, but really, the, the message is uh, for, for everyone, and, and we can all learn from it. In Second Chronicles 24, we read the story of a, the life of an individual named Joash. And before we can really get into the, the, the sermon this morning is very short. The, the principle is very uh, quick to be able to give you and, and, and you can grasp it. But you kind of have to get the context of this man's life. And uh, turn a few pages back to Second Chronicles 22. Second Chronicles 22. And uh, look at verse number 10. I want you to 
get to know this man, Joash. Second Chronicles 22 and verse 10, the Bible says this, But when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, now Ahaziah was the king of Judah, and Ahaziah just got uh, killed, he just got uh, assassinated, and when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose, and notice this, and destroyed all the seed royal. Now, what that means is that she destroyed all the seed royal, is that she killed anyone that could have possibly been in the line for the throne, okay? So, the mom, her son is king, she sees that her son is dead, and then she goes and kills anyone who could be in line for the throne. Now, you got to understand this, okay? Keep in mind, these are her grandchildren who is she, who she's killing, okay? This is one evil grandma, alright? This is not the type of grandma you want to go visit. <laughs> and she destroyed all the seed royal of the house of Judah, Notice verse 11. But Jehosh Abiath, the daughter of the king, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons that were slain, and put him, in his, and, put him and his nurse in a bedchamber. And Jehoshabeth, the daughter of the king of Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada, the priest. Now notice this parenthesis in the scripture here. For she was the sister of Ahaziah. Okay, Ahaziah is the king that just died. Okay, this would make her the godly aunt of Joash. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we have Joash, whose grandmother is trying to kill him, because his dad just got assassinated. And we've got his aunt, who's married to a priest, who then takes the child and saves him from the evil grandma who wants to kill all of them. And notice the end of the verse hid him from Athaliah, so that she slew him not. Okay? Look at verse 12. And he was with them, with his aunt and his uncle, the priest, hid in the house of God six years. And Athaliah reigned over the land. So they take this baby, they hide him in the house of God, they protect him. Athaliah, the evil grandma, becomes the, the queen. She reigns over the land. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 23. Look at verse 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 23, verse 1. Just the next chapter over. And in the seventh year of Jehoiada, this is the priest, Jehoiada strengthened himself and took the captain of hundreds, Azariah the son of Jeroham, and Ishmael the son of Jehohanan, and Azariah the son of Obed, and Maaseah the son of Adada, and Elishaphat the son of Zikri, notice, into covenant with him. And they went about in Judah, and gathered the Levites out of all the cities of Judah, and the chief of the fathers of Israel, and they came to Jerusalem. And all the congregation made a covenant with the king of the house of God. And he said unto them, Behold, the king's son. So I, I want you to understand what's going on. The priest, the uncle, takes the Joash, the, the boy, and says, The king's son. Because remember, Joash was the son of King Ahaziah. And he said, Behold, verse 3, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord hath said of the sons of David. So he said, This boy should be the king, not this evil grandma that's reigning over us now. And he says, God has ordained that this son of David would be the king, so they make him king. Now, there's a lot there, and we're not going to get into all of it, but skip down to verse number 11. And they brought out the king's son, this is Joash, and put upon him the crown, and gave him the testimony, and made him king. 
And Jehoiada, that's the priest. And I want you to just make note of this. Just remember this. Jehoiada and his sons anointed him and said, God save the king. Now when Athaliah, remember her, heard the noise of the people running and praising the king, she came to the people into the house of the Lord, and she looked, and behold, and the king stood at his pillar at the entering in, and the princes and the trumpets by the king, and all the people of the land rejoiced and sounded with trumpets, also the singers with instruments of music, and such as taught to sing, uh, uh, to, to sing praise then, notice then, Athaliah rent her clothes and said, Treason! Treason! She's very upset about this. Verse 14. And Jehoiada the priest brought out the captain of hundreds that were set over the host and said unto them, Have her forth of the ranges, and whoso followeth her, let him be slain with the sword. For the priest said, Slay her not in the house of the Lord. So they laid a hand on her, and when she was come to the entering of the horse gate by the king's house, they slew her. So they killed the grandma, made the grandson king. Look at verse 16. And Jehoiada made a covenant. Now notice who he makes a covenant. A covenant would be like a contract, but more spiritual than that. It would be a, a, a vow that they go into. It, it's something that they say that they're going to do. He made a covenant, notice, between him, the priest, and between all the people, the, the ones that are going to be reigned over, and between the king, that's Joash. So they made a covenant between the priests, the people, and the king. What was their covenant? That they should be the Lord's people. Here's what I want you to understand about Joash, and and especially you kids. Joash had a pretty rough start at life, but he ended up being raised as a king by a priest in what you and I would today call a Christian home, or whatever that's worth. He was raised... By, a, by his aunt, yes, and his uncle. But his uncle was a priest, and he was raised in the house of the Lord. And when he became king, it was so important for them to have a relationship with God that they made a public covenant. They said that they should be the Lord's people. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 24. And Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. How would you like that, to be the king at seven years old? And Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. Now, here's what you got to understand, okay? Obviously, a seven-year-old's not ready to reign. So, the priest who was his guardian, the priest who was his, you know, father, or, you know, stepped in as a father, the priest who was his authority figure, who was a spiritual leader, kind of helped Joash through those years and kind of, you know, directed him and, and, and... you know, gave him direction as to how to be a king for all those years when he was a young, a young boy and even a young man. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign. Notice verse 1. And he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Zibiah of Beersheba. Now, I want you to make note of this. Look at verse 2. Second Chronicles 24, verse 2. If you're a kid and you say, I don't know how to read, just listen, okay? Verse 2. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Now, there was a period there we could say, praise the Lord. But unfortunately, that's not where the verse ends. And Joash did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I want you to notice this caveat that is added. All the days of Jehoiada, the priest. See, Jehoiada was his guardian. Jehoiada was his authority. Jehoiada was the spiritual leadership that God had placed over the life of Joash. 
This is the man that raised him. This is the man that tucked him in at night. This is the man that took him camping and, and fishing. This is the man that, that, that protected him, that clothed him, that fed him. This is the man that, that took care of him. I mean, for, for, for all intents uh, uh, purpose, this, this was his dad. This was the man that cared for him from the, the day he was born. And the Bible says that Joash, he, was a, he grew up in a nice Christian home where he was taken care of, where he, he entered into a covenant that he would be the Lord's people. He, he went into his career knowing that he would be God's people. And the Bible says that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. This is like saying that to a parent that your child is going to serve God only while they're living in your home. And when they leave the home and when they're no longer under your authority they might do something different. Now here's what you need to understand, okay? The likelihood of the average kid being raised in a Christian home. And I'm talking to our kids of very Baptist church right now. Your, your parents aren't perfect and they make mistakes and they do all sorts of things that they shouldn't do and I'm trying to help them too, okay? I've been trying to help them for the last five weeks, actually. But you're being raised in a pretty good home compared to most. Just the fact that you're here on a Sunday morning in a church like this one shows that there is someone interested in the Word of God and the things of God and, and wanting to understand uh, what a Christian home is. But you need to understand this, okay? Statistics show that we are losing anywhere from 65 to 75, 75% of kids raised in Christian homes in the world. Here's what that means. 65 to 75% of kids that are raised in a Christian home, when they are 18 years old, or 19 years old, or 20 years old, or they join the military, or they go to college, or they get under the, away from the authority that God has given them, they leave the church. These are the Joe Ashes of the world. And unfortunately what that means is this. That of all those hands that went up, 10 to 15 years from now, Statistically speaking, a percentage of those kids are not going to be at this church or any church or engaged in anything that has to do with God or Christianity. And you ask the question, how do we avoid that? And we avoid that by a lot of different ways, and I believe the main ways is helping mom and dad figure out how to raise godly children. But kids, I want you to understand something. Some of the responsibility falls on you. You could be raised by a priest in the house of God. You could be raised to know everything you're supposed to believe, the way you're supposed to act, the way you're supposed to dress, the way the things you're supposed to do. But there comes a time when you will find yourself no longer under the authority of your parents. Your parents may pass away. But even if they don't pass away, you know, I, I believe, and I believe the Bible teaches, that it would be best for a child, for, for, for even a young adult, to stay in, in, the, in the home of their parents until they are married. Now, unfortunately, not everybody follows that. And you may find yourself in a dorm room where you're no longer under the authority of your parents. You may find yourself in, in, in the military. You may find yourself taking a job somewhere. You may move out or you, you may find yourself in a position where you are no longer under the authority of the guardians that God has given you and the spiritual authority that God has put in your life. And you need to understand this. What you do while in the home of your parents does not show us your Christianity. It only shows us the Christianity of your parents. When you are no longer under the authority of your parents... We will see who you really are. And what you need to understand about Joash is that Joash was not ready to make decisions when his spiritual authority was gone. Are you there in 2 Chronicles 24? Look at verse 15. 2 Chronicles 24, look at verse 15. But Jehoiada, that's the priest, that's the uncle, 
That's the guardian. That's the authority figure. That's the spiritual leader in Joash's life. But Jehoiada waxed old and was full of days when he died. And 130 years old was he when he died. And they buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done good in Israel, but toward God, because he had done good in Israel both toward God and toward his house. Verse 17. And by the way, that's a great testimony there. Verse 17. Now I want you to notice, I just want you to see this, this verse. Now after, now after the death of Jehoiada, came the princes of Judah. Now keep in mind, Joash is the king of Judah. Now come the princes of Judah. These would be his peers. They came after the death of Jehoiada, came the princes of Judah, and made obeisance. That means they, they showed him respect to the king. Now notice this phrase. Then the king hearkened unto them. The word hearkened means he listened to them. So, so Jehoiada dies, and not till after the death of Jehoiada, not till the spiritual authority, the spiritual leadership, the, the, the guardian that Joash had in his life, not till after the death of Jehoiada, then come the princes of Judah, and they make obeisance to the king, and the king hearkens and listens to them, and the result of the, uh, uh, of the influence of the princes of Judah is found in verse 18, and they left the house of the Lord God of their fathers, and served groves and idols. Wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for their trespass. Okay, so let, let me tell you something. There are people that don't come around you. There are influences that don't come around you because of your parents. Because they are sheltering you and they are guarding you. But at some point, you will find yourself in a situation where mom's not there and dad's not there and Jehoiada died and there was no one there to be kind of a guardian of Joash and it wasn't until after the death of Jehoiada that the princes came and they made obeisance and they developed a relationship and Joash was not ready to make decisions for himself and he hearkened unto them and it led to him leaving the house of the Lord and he served idols. See, Joash was not ready to decide what he would do with a spiritual authority. And here's what I want to teach. Here's the whole entire point of the sermon for the kids this morning. Is decide now, while you're under the shelter, while you're under the guardianship, while you have the Jehoiada in your life, while you have that priest in your home that's taking care of you, that's keeping bad influences away, that is helping you, and that is guiding you, and that is directing you, and and, and that's investing in you. Choose now what you will do when that individual is gone. Because there's going to come a point where you're going to grow up and mom and dad aren't going to be with you and your pastor may not be there and other spiritual uh, influences may not be there. And there will come those who will try to influence you to leave God and leave the church of God and leave the things of God. And you're either going to hearken or you're not. You've got to decide. Now here's what's, here's what's interesting. When you contrast this story, it's a very famous story, and I don't, I don't want to preach it this morning, but let's just look at it. Go to Daniel chapter 1. Remember Daniel? Good old Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. I'm not preaching about Daniel this morning, but I do want to give you just a few thoughts. Here you have Jehovah. Here you got Joash who was done wrong, who lost his father, who, his mother doesn't seem to be in the picture, she's mentioned in the text, but she doesn't seem to be in this picture. She, and the grandmother wants to kill him. 
Okay, and through all that, God worked it out to make sure that he was under the home of, of a priest that would care for him, that showed him how to love God and how to serve God. And I believe that Joash honestly had a desire to serve God. We, we skipped it in the text, but we read it, you know, he, he had a desire to see the house of God succeed, and he took up an offering, and he, and he built the house of God. And, and I really do believe that he had a relationship with God, and, and, and he wanted to see the best of God. But he had not planned, he had not planned, and he had not prepared for when Jehoiada was gone. And when his spiritual leadership was gone, he hearkened unto the voice of his peers. Now when you contrast that to Daniel, you find a completely different story. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, this is after Joash, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Remember Nebuchadnezzar comes to Jerusalem, he takes over, he besieged it. Verse 2, And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. So Nebuchadnezzar wins with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure of the house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel. Now don't miss that. Nebuchadnezzar, from all the way in Babylon, goes to Judah, takes over Judah, then he looks at his master, uh, at, his, at his servant, and, and the master of the eunuchs, and he said, hey, bring some of those children of Israel with us, of the king's seed, and of the princess. Look at verse 4. The children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, and skillful, and all wisdom, and cunning, and knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had the ability in, in, to stand in the king's palace, of whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Do you understand what's going on? King Nebuchadnezzar said, hey, you know, while we're here, let's take some of these kids back home with us, and we're going to, you know, grab the, the good kids, grab the smart kids, grab the kids that have some talent, grab the kids that look like they got some potential, and let's take them back to Babylon with us, and we'll teach them our language, and we'll teach them our culture, and, and we'll use them in our government, and we'll brainwash them into our way of living. Do you understand that Babylon, that, that King Nebuchadnezzar just said, let's kidnap some of the kids from their moms and from their dads, and separate them, and take them hundreds and thousands of miles away to a different nation where they will not have the influence of God, will not have the influence of their parents, will not have the influence of a priest, will not have the influence of a pastor. Let's take those kids and let's indoctrinate them in the things of the world. And the king appointed, verse 5, them daily provision of the king's meat. Now this was meat that they were not allowed to eat as Hebrew children. And of the wine which he drank, which they were not allowed to drink of, God had commanded So nourish them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were the children of Judah. Do these names sound familiar? Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Unto whom the prince of the eunuch gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Brother Vincent, could you knock on that door and see if those ladies need some help in there or something? Uh, whichever one the sound's coming from. You have Daniel, who is not, he had the Christian home, and he got taken from it. And Daniel, if you know the story of Daniel, ended up living for God. If you know the story of Daniel, ended up doing great things for God. If you know the story of Daniel, lived for God for the rest of his life. And you got to ask this question, what's the difference between Daniel and Joash? And here's the difference, look at verse 8. But Daniel purpose in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat 
And with the wine which he drank, therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Here's what I want you to understand. There are some kids that grow up in a bad home, that get taken from good parents, and grow up in a situation that no kid should be raised in, and end up living for God. And there are some kids that God in his providence makes sure that they are given to the authority and the leadership of a parent or a guardian that's going to raise them in the things of God. And as soon as they're able to get out of the authority of that parent, they end up going to the world. And you ask, what's the, what's the difference? Why do some kids make it and some kids don't? And some kids go, in spite of their circumstances, live for God. And others, you would think they would have made it. You think they would have got it. They were homeschooled and they were taught the Bible and they were, uh, you know, their parents read the Bible with them every day and prayed and took them to church Sunday morning and Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then they grew up and they were belt, and they left, and they, and they didn't see the, the value, and you say, what's the difference? Here's the difference. At some point, the child needs a purpose in their heart. Not to defile themselves with the portion of the king's meat. Kids, I want to challenge you this morning to choose to decide today that you will serve God and walk with God and live for God. You say, well, I love, I love God. I know, but it's easy when you're in a good Christian environment. But one day when you're not there, and all your peers are eating of the king's meat, and all your peers are drinking the stuff you're not supposed to be drinking, and all the peers are telling you, why don't we go worship these gods, and why don't we go look at this, and why don't we go take that, and why don't we try this, and it's so much fun. When Jehoiada's not there, would you purpose in your heart to not defy yourself with the king's meat? Now here's what I want you to do. I want to give you two, two applications for the kids. Two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you to memorize Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. At the end of the service, when we're singing this, the last song, the ushers are going to go through and they have these little 3 by 5 cards. They're going to hand one to every kid in the service. And it says, Functional Family Series 2014, and there's Daniel 1.8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I want you kids to take this home, and I want you to memorize it. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do something without a reward, okay? So here's the thing. Every child in this church that comes to me in the next seven days, so by the end of business, Sunday, next Sunday, and you can quote this verse to me, word perfect, I'm going to give you a dollar. Alright? So I'm going to pay you for your work. Alright? I know you, the little kids are like, a dollar! Okay, and then your older kids are like, I'm not going to memorize something for a dollar. <laughs> okay, tough guy. <laughs> you memorize the entire chapter, I'll give you ten bucks. I said, well, Pastor, why would you, uh, why would you bribe kids to memorize scripture. You know why I would bribe a kid to memorize this verse? And your parents, I, I would encourage you to help your children, encourage them to memorize. So why, why, why would you ask them to memorize this? Here's why I would ask them to memorize. Because at some point, no matter how good of a house you raise, uh, how good of a house you have, and how good your kids are, at some point, those kids are not going to be under your authority. At some point, they're going to be around people that don't worship the God that you worship, Dad. That don't believe the things you believe, Mom. And you will have raised them and they will not be under your authority because they'll be married or they'll be gone, they'll be in college or they'll be at the job. They'll just be so big that you just tell them to leave. You know, they, they, they won't be under your authority anymore. And that child is going to be approached by peers and by princes who are going to say, hey, forget the God of the Bible. Forget church. Forget, you know, let's go over here and let's worship in the groves and let's worship the idols and, 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 let's, and let's do this because it's fun. And I'm hoping, I am hoping that when that opportunity comes and when that child has to make a decision, what will I do? Will I do that which I was raised to do or will I do what my peers are 
trying to get me to do. I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit of God will just bring to their mind these words. Daniel, purpose, and his heart. That's why I would pay a kid to memorize. Because we don't want to lose these kids. I don't want, I, I don't, I'm not happy with 65%. I don't want 75%. I don't want 7 out of 10. I want all 10. I don't want a Joash. I want Daniels. But kids, at the end of the day, you got to make a choice. It's up to you. You decide. Your parents can do everything. They can, they can have the, the best God this marriage. They can do everything they're supposed to do to be your parent. But you have to decide. And here's what you got to ask yourself, kid. How do you want to be remembered? You know how Daniel was remembered? Are you there in Daniel chapter 1? Look verse 18. Now at the end of the day that the king had said he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the, commune, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king. Notice what the world thinks about a young person that lives with a little bit of purpose. In all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better. And all the magicians and astrologers that were in all the realm. Daniel continued even unto the first year of Cyrus of, the, of King Cyrus. Now, compare that to how Joash ends his life. If you go back to 2 Chronicles 24, look at verse 20. 2 Chronicles 24 and verse 20. Joash leaves the things of God, leaves the house of God, goes and worships idols, follows his fears, has no character, has no purpose, goes with the flow. Any dead fish can flow downstream. 2 Chronicles 24, 20 says this. And the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. Now notice Zechariah, who he is. The son of Jehoiada. Does, does that guy sound familiar? The priest. This is the, guy, this is the son of the guy who raised Joash. And Zechariah, this would, by the way, this would, be, this would be Joash's cousin. But really, this is probably more like Joash's brother. They were raised by the same father. Does that make sense? Do you remember, remember when we read about Joash as a seven-year-old being anointed? Remember the Bible told us that he was anointed by Jehoiada and his sons? This was probably an, a, a, an older cousin that kind of played the role of an older brother in the life of Joash, who actually took part in anointing Joash to become king at the age of seven years old. And now here they are older, now here they are grown, and the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, which stood before the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? So he's preaching against his cousin here, he's preaching against his, his brother. He says, Because he hath forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. And they, Joash and his friends, conspired against him, Zechariah, Joash's cousin, more probably like a brother, having the relationship of a brother, and stoned them with stones at the commandment of the king. That's Joash. In the court of the house of the Lord. Now notice what the Bible says about Joash. This is how we'll remember Joash for the rest of history. Thus, Joash the king remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada, his father, had done to him, but slew his son. And when he died, he said, the Lord look upon it and require it. Because you need to understand this. You, 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 you get in this mindset because you watched a little bit of MTV or you saw something on the internet that you shouldn't have seen, and you think, my kid, my, my parents are sheltering me and my parents are ruining my life, and if I could just, if they would just let me do whatever I want. And you don't realize that all the kids that you want to be like wish they were like you. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, the world looks at people like Daniel, 
Where they say, wow, he's done something that no one else did. And, and, and in spite of everything going against him, he purposed in his heart and he lived for God. And then the world looks at that Daniel and he says, they're ten times better. But you know how the world looks at the Joashes? What a brat. He remembered not the kindness which Jehoiada, his father, had done to him. See, some of your kids are going to grow up and you're, and you're going to leave the church, and I, and I hope you don't. But you're going to leave and you're going to be a drug addict, or you're going to be pregnant out of wedlock, or you're going to ruin your life, you're going to end up in prison. And, and, and people are going to look at you and say, Wait, you grew up in what kind of home? Your parents homeschooled? Your, your parents did what? They read the Bible? Why, why are you here? And people are going to say, Why don't you remember the kindness that your parents showed you? How do you want to be remembered? Daniel? Why is it Joe? So what makes the difference? One purpose in their heart. It's in your heart. Decide right now. You say, I'm young. Look, many, many greater preachers have been called into the ministry at 12 years old because they decided, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to live for God. You, you, you say, my parents have issues. I know they do. I talk to them. Trust me. I get it. But you can decide right now. All right, Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would please use the sermon in the lives of our kids. Lord, I pray that you use the sermon in the lives of my kids. Lord, I pray that there'd be some kids, teenagers, take me up on the challenge, memorizing a verse, memorizing a few verses. Father, we don't want to lose these kids to the world. We can preach, and we can pray, and we can disciple them, and we can help them. But at some point, they're going to have to decide what they're going to do with their lives. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to raise good kids, young people that would love you, that would not ruin their lives, that would not go into the world. Father, I pray you burn in the hearts of the parents, the adults in this church, not, not to look down at these kids as a nuisance and, yeah, they're all, to realize the investment that God has given us. Maybe grandparents or uncles or aunts can, can come alongside and help a kid turn out for God. Father, I pray you'd use the sermon this morning in your precious life.